Welcome to the Deeside Donkey Podcast. Some folks call a donkey a beast of burden. Some folks say a nagging ass of you. But I won't stand for that talk, beg your pardon. Donkey is the king of This episode is full of information from equine nutritionist Lorna Eager. Lorna will tell us how to look after our donkey's nutritional requirements. We hope you enjoy it. Billy makes me smile my way. Billy makes me smile my I've put a talk together um, encompassing donkeys and ponies because some of it will overlap, not all of it, but some will overlap. So I've done um, parts of it on the donkeys and their specific nutritional requirements. They are slightly different to the horse. Um, And then we've got ponies and body condition scoring, feeding the good doer, which will also help with um, feeding donkeys. Um, feeding for condition and for those in work. And then I've got a couple of slides as requested by Diana on poisonous plants at the end and then um, lots of questions, hopefully. So, as you are probably all aware, the donkeys have descended from um, the African wild ass um, to become domesticated a long, long time ago. They have evolved to have a very efficient... Um, digestive system to um, survive those arid temperatures and um, not such ideal conditions um, that they'd be living in. They're the chosen work animals because they are so um, adaptable to those um, environments. The digestive tract of the donkey is pretty much the same as the horse. Here we have the um, esophagus down to the stomach and the small intestine and then the hindgut, which is the hindgut fermentation and and, um, out through the um, rectum and the anus. The um, donkey is thought to have, again, through post-mortems, 24 metres long, um, small intestine, um, with a capacity of holding 160 um, litres, huge volumes of um, fodder. Um, the other um, specific thing about the donkey is it has a good delayed gastric emptying, so the stomach empties a lot slower than their horses and ponies. Um, and this is just an adaptation that they have made during um, their, as they've evolved, just to try and utilise and break down their fibre part of their diet a lot more slowly so they can then get a lot more out of it later on down the digestive tract. The um, delayed gastric emptying is also an area when feeding donkeys if they're in work and particularly hard work is something just to bear in mind when you are feeding them. You might need to leave them a bit more time than you would do a horse or a pony Um, before you work them, um, particularly if you're feeding them a higher calorie diet, which we can go to in a bit. 
Um, the, their um, digestion and the way they extract nutrients from their diet is very efficient, a lot more efficient than that of horses and ponies. They, will, um, they do very well on very lignified, high cellulose, um, dense fibre sources, and uh, hence their evolved, or how they've evolved in those arid um, climates. So they don't need a vast amount of good quality fibre, hence why a lot of donkeys over here do so well and almost too well, and we have to monitor them very carefully on the good grasses we have. Um, they produce, um, the volatile fatty acids are it, um, present in the hindgut and that's all responsible for breaking down the cellulose part of the diet and they have produced a lot more than horse, therefore they're extracting a lot more goodness from their, um, their fibre. The, um, the, they have a much slower rate of fibre in the hindgut I think that's possibly due to the fact that what they're eating and doing so well off is um, a lot more lignified, so a lot coarser. Um, so that will t the rate of passage of that would naturally be slower. And I think you now the donkey's digestive tract has become a lot slower again through evolution. That it um, so to make sure that it can extract all the essential nutrients that it's wanting to absorb. So they definitely, as with any living um, creature, will need good protein in their diet and they are particularly useful at extracting um, protein from their um, digester. And hence why with donkey diets, we don't need a high amount of protein um, within their rations. They also, um, as I've mentioned already, um, energy, energy and calories are the same thing. So they're utilising their energy and calories in their diet particularly efficiently, something we need to keep an eye on when we're putting donkey diets um, together. Interestingly, their water, they rehydrate a lot quicker than um, horses and ponies. And they can, I was quite staggered when I was reading off about this, they can cope with their water losses of up to 30%, which is huge amounts of water loss. The other interesting thing is when um, they, their thirst reflex takes a lot longer to um, sort of, uh, switch on, if you like, before um, a horse or pony would do. And if you um, then offer that donkey um, forage, uh, sorry, feed or forage or, uh, or water, it will go for the feed before it would do the water, after it's been away from water for a sustainable amount of time. So basically saying it wants to eat before it drinks. So they, they, um, they can tolerate quite high levels of dehydration. And vitamins and minerals, um, will, uh, we're just trying to maintain um, a healthy amount of vitamins and minerals in their diet to maintain um, optimal health. Um, and again, it's trying to make sure it's a balance, um, particularly if they're in work and they, they have a job to do. So condition scoring, I've pinched this from um, the Donkey Sanctuary. Um, we Here they're working on a scale from one to five. We would 
generally, which I'll show you later, work on a scale of one to nine with um, the horses and ponies. Um, so they're basically looking for um, your ideal donkey would have good muscle development, bones felt under a light cover of muscle and fat, and the neck um, flows smoothly into the shoulder, which is rounded. Um, you want a good cover of muscle or fat over the dorsal spinal processes um, with the withers flowing smoothly into the back. And the ribs just slightly covered, same with the horse, um, without any um, fatty deposits. Um, so you want to be able to fill the ribs with a light amount of pressure and um, the belly firm with good muscle tone, hopefully. Well, we all want that, don't we? <laughs> um, <laughs> and over the, the back and the loins, um, you don't really want to feel the, the spinal processes here, but equally you don't want to be feeling fat deposits either. And over the hindquarters, again, avoiding fatty deposits, but equally trying to have more muscle than you would do um, with the poor and malnourished donkey. Here's um, just an example of what we are really trying to avoid are the fatty deposits. So here we have the classic fatty deposit over the neck, over the rib cage, and over the hindquarters here. Um, this donkey, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Alice. <laughs> um, you do see this sometimes in ponies as well, or horses, where the fat becomes so heavy on the top of the neck it strains the nuchal ligaments and they end up with the crest, oops, flopping over and that, oh, there we go, flopping over and even if they lose weight, that will still stay flopped over because that nuchal ligament doesn't recover particularly well once it's gone, it's, it's gone. Um, but hopefully by, by reducing the fat pad, and making it a lot softer to the feel, your um, doing the right things to try and get that donkey's um, body condition score down. So practical feeding tips. I've, I've done some of this um, as well for ponies, so bear with me because I will be over, overlapping a bit. Um, but really we want to avoid high starch diets. Starch is cereals, carbohydrates. We want to avoid that as much as possible unless there is a particular need that a donkey is malnourished and is needing a gradual um, increase in calories, we may have to explore the avenue of starches if necessary. But more often than not, it's a low calorie and a low starch ration that we're looking to provide. Um, donkeys will do well in the summer, pretty much just off the grass. If they're in work, you may want to um, keep perhaps a balancer so you've got a low calorie option, um, but you're still giving them their protein, vitamins, and minerals. As the minimal calorie option, I would strongly advise that you still give them um, a broad spectrum vitamin and mineral supplement. So you're not giving them the quality protein for muscle development, but you are at least giving them vitamin and mineral supplement just for good health and um, immunity. To increase calories, as I've already mentioned, I would be more focusing on oils and digestible fibres to try and increase the calorie intake again, trying to avoid the starch-based feeds. 
Sometimes we could go up to perhaps a high fiber cube or a, I'd probably say more of a mix, but uh, sorry, not so much of a mix, um, but of a cube, again, to try and keep the starch to a minimum during the winter months. Um, not too much alfalfa. As I mentioned earlier, because they process and metabolize protein very efficiently, alfalfa is going to be too much for them. Um, so no less than 1.5% of their body weight in fiber per day. Um, and the hay will provide calories, so we really need to be mindful of their body condition score. If we think back to where these donkeys have come from originally, a, a good quality hay will give them too many calories. So it's trying to reduce that calorie intake through their forage as well as their hard food. I'll talk more in depth about soaking hay when I cover the pony section, um, but it's all about trying to reduce the sugars and the water-soluble carbohydrates in their forage so that they don't put on too much weight and condition. Um, straw is very often used to increase their chew time because donkeys, as with horses and ponies, can be susceptible to gastric ulcers. Um, so long periods of time without eating anything is not ideal. So to increase chew time, and gut fill, straw is um, highly recommended. They, research has shown that they extract the calories out of oat straw a lot more efficiently than barley straw, which would be the, um, the preferable. Um, and wheat straw is quite lignified, so ensuring that your donkey is drinking plenty of water as well, so you don't end up with um, impaction colic um, scenarios. Um, whilst they're on these um, much more lignified fibres is preferable. Um, mixing hay and straw together is definitely something to consider if calories are trying to be reduced. Um, research again has shown that using this 25 to 75 ratio in spring and autumn can help to manage um, calories and then in the winter switching that ratio around to try and increase their calorie intake without, um, a, but also encouraging plenty of chew time through the oat straw. We always need to consider restricted grazing or time off the field. Um, horses and ponies, likewise, we need to monitor their, um, their grass intake. Um, Alice is going to talk to us in a bit about teeth, um, but I was asked if I'd just mention how, you know, what do we do for feeding um, with poor teeth and poor dentition. It's trying to, depending on what the problem is, but generally I would, we're trying to soften the, um, preferably a cube and a balancer, but not mixes because you can't soften mixes as easily as you can do the pellet based feeds. Um, soften it with some warm water or um, some beet pulp can help with um, yeah, making it into more of a mash. Um, hay replacement sources, things to replace the, the fibre that they're not eating would be things like beet pulp, um, oat straw um, based products, you can get you know, chaff based products and mixing that with the beet pulp can make it all a bit softer and not getting stuck in um, their teeth and 
um, different issues that Alice will um, uh, cover. And then another way of replacing the hay grass um, would be softening um, fibre nuggets, grass pellets, anything like that, just to keep, try and keep fibre going through their digestive tract. Um, loose droppings can become a problem with um, horses, ponies, donkeys that are um, struggling with poor dentition. And quite often that's because they're not eating enough fibre. And pre and probiotics can help to, um, to, to stop the, the onset or um, reduce the amount of loose droppings just by stabilising the... Hello, <laughs> it's okay. Um, it'll help to stabilise the beneficial bacteria in the hindgut. Are you, any of you aware of pre and probiotics? Yeah, so probiotic is a live bacteria. Prebiotic is a food source for the back, um, beneficial bacteria. So they can be of great help. And then on to ponies. But like I said, there will be a bit of an overlap um, with both. Obesity. Definition being an increase in body weight beyond limitations of skeletal and physical requirements due to excess fat accumulation. The prevalence in the UK is getting higher and higher, um, and it's something that we um, find, and I'm sure Bets finds as well, is trying to reduce the amount of overweight horses um, as, as, a, um, as a health requirement. Um, it really increases the risks of equine metabolic. Ooh, where am I going? There we go. Um, increases the risks of equine metabolic syndrome and laminitis. Um, so you know, health risks are increased significantly with overweight individuals. So who is at risk? The more native breeds. So very often our ponies are of. Um, come into this category being the native types um, and then I can add into that you know donkeys um, can also be under this similar management and come into the same category. So where's fat stored? As we briefly went through the condition scoring of the donkey it's the neck over the crest of the neck behind the shoulder sort of in front of the saddle over the rib cage and the tail head. And some of you might be wondering why I've put these random two arrows. <laughs> um, the amount of people that worry that their horse is holding weight because it has a heavy gut, big grass belly, it has no top line, but they've kept it on a diet because it has this sort of heavy gut <laughs> um, look, it, look about it. Um, that's not fat. That's not where they're storing fat. And I've, I just want, to, to sort of point that out. If they are grossly obese and have a condition score of nine, then yes, they, they will have internal fat. But if they don't have top line and they don't have fatty pads here and here and here, but they have a big grass belly, it can be that they're on a lot of um, lignified grass, you know, long grass. Um, it could be that they're eating a straw bed, perhaps. Or it could be that they... Um, it's a horse that's in work, but it's not using its core muscles particularly effectively. So generally, 
I try not to let people look at that area. And it can come down to confirmation, a very wide-sprung rib cage, um, very deep girth. <coughs> they very often will have that more of a tummy look. And it's always exacerbated by the lack of top-line muscle. Okay. So here's our condition scoring of one to nine, and we're looking for um, five being the ideal. As I mentioned with the donkeys, it's, um, you want to be able to feel over the ribs, you want to feel the ribs easily, you want coverage over the quarters and the neck, um, but it's really focusing on those areas for the um, fatty pads. If anybody wants any um, condition scoring leaflets, we do have some over here afterwards. Um, and how do we condition score? It's no good just standing there. It really is a hands-on um, hands thing to do. And I would always recommend people doing proper condition scoring every couple of weeks, especially from the winter to the spring, um, because horses change very quickly. And I think when you're with them every day, you don't, you're putting the rugs on, rugs off. You don't notice those changes. Um, unless you're really being hands-on with them. So what I quite often like to see them move because you can see the movement of the flesh over the ribcage perhaps. Um, very much feeling and poking, feeling for those ribs, have a good feel of the crest on the neck. Um, just looking really doesn't give you that, um, that feel for the fatty deposits. Also, I like to take into consideration muscle evaluation and how is that horse's muscle development? Um, is it fat and has no muscle underneath? Or is it muscly and then you know, lacking perhaps a bit of body condition? So it's weighing up the fat and the, um, and the, the muscle. Um, I often try to recommend to clients to take regular photographs, um, if they remember, because <laughs> it gives them something to look back at. Horse, horse standing on square, um, sideways on in, in front of you, and from behind, um, not from um, head on. It doesn't give you the right um, perception. Um, way tapes and way bridges. How many of you had horses on way bridges? Ponies, donkeys? No? Yes? Did you find it useful? Yeah, but I mean, it was just because someone brought you to a yard. So yeah. It's not really something you've got access to. Generally. No, no, you don't. And when I first started at Bailey's, we didn't have any way bridges. It's only in the last eight years we've started getting them. Um, they are a useful tool, but my gripe with them is it gives you a number, but actually that number doesn't mean anything unless you're looking at that horse and condition scoring it as well. Um, and then people will say, well, how many kilos does it need to lose? Or how many kilos does it need to put on? I don't know. <laughs> it's a guesstimate. Um, I don't think anybody can really tell. And, it, and horses change shape all the time. So just by changing that number doesn't mean it's looking any worse in its condition. It actually probably built up more muscle if it's a horse in work and its workload is increasing. So. Um, I'm not a huge fan of weight bridges. Um, I would rather use a weight tape, which is quite like using the you know, gauging of the girth. If it does up two more holes, it's lost weight. If it's <laughs> two, two holes less, then it's put on weight. Um, but condition scoring, I think, is the most useful tool um, 
alongside with those two other options as well. So we've condition scored our pony and our donkey, and we now need to take into, before we start putting diets together, we need to take into consideration other, um, other areas of their um, lifestyle and health. So what's their skin, coat, teeth and hoof condition? How are they looking? Um, what's their current diet? And very much focusing on workload and then temperament, especially for some of these quirky ponies. Um, don't often get fed a huge amount because of their temperament, but perhaps need a bit of help with gaining a bit of condition. Or perhaps they're lazy and they're overweight and you want to start doing more work with them. There's often a reason as to why one or the other is, is happening. Um, and then clinical illnesses, like I mentioned before, Laminitis, equine metabolic syndrome, Cushing's, all um, areas that we need to take into, consider, uh, into consideration when putting diets together. <laughs> this just made me chuckle, but I thought I'd have to add the vet nutritionist in there as well. <laughs> um, so hard feed, with our good doers. Very often they're fed a handful of mix because they're the noisy ones in the yard that kick the door down. Um, or a handful of chaff, again, to keep them quiet, or sometimes nothing. <laughs> um, this is not the ideal scenario for your good doer. And so often we're going to yard, oh, it lives on fresh air, it's fine. Mm, it's not really. Where is it getting its nutrition from, and especially if you're expecting it to do a job as well? What do they need? So we're trying to keep the weight off. So if we think back to the, the donkey scenario as well, um, we want starch at less than 10%. So if you're looking at purchasing um, a bag of feed, balancers, um, they should all be less than 10%. Um, and this also goes for water-soluble carbohydrates in forage. So we're trying to keep that... Um, starch level to a minimum to reduce the calorie intake. Um, we still want to maintain healthy levels of fibre. We've already spoken about gastric ulcers and I think that's really important um, to remember because too often these good doers will end up being starved. Oh, it's getting grumpy now. Well, I wonder why. <laughs> um, they, they do take careful management. So small regular meals and we want to try and maximise um, chewing time. I thought I'd add this slide, purely because Jim always talks about wintering and how we should really take advantage of the winter to try and get the calories out so it will get the condition off our horses and ponies. Um, it's the ideal time and so often we do overrug them and they need to you know, burn off a few calories through trying to keep warm themselves rather than being overrugged and um, stabled. So the, the fibre that they consume will provide heat. Um, so if they, are, um, if they are hungry, let them eat and let them eat the right type of um, hay or haylage and they will keep warm themselves. So it's just a, another way of trying to reduce that condition score over the winter months. 
Um, as I just mentioned, the horse has a psychological and physiological needs to chew. So always keeping that in mind. Saliva is only produced when the horse is chewing, which helps to neutralise and act as a bit of a buffer in the stomach. Um, the stomach acid they produce, a 15-hand thoroughbred type, will be producing about one and a half litres of gastric acid an hour. Huge volumes, because these horses and ponies and donkeys have all evolved to be trickle feeders. So when they are standing for long periods of time, that's what's happening. They're still... Um, producing this gastric acid, that will go through to the small intestine and the hindgut, and then you end up with a whole load of other um, problems further down the digestive system. So we want to feed some hay, but we want to feed perhaps a poor quality hay. Straw, as I've mentioned with the donkeys, with horses and ponies, I wouldn't be using such high um, ratios of straw. Um, maximum of 30% of their total forage intake because they will be more susceptible to um, impaction colics, especially if we're not monitoring how much water they're drinking. And again, keep it, it used to be 1% um, of body weight um, with the, their forage intake, but that's actually been increased because they've found the, the gastric ulcers have been um, a more of a problem and a conference I went to, I think about three years ago, they're saying that now it's recommended 1.5% body weight per day. Oh, there we go. Um, a lot of feed companies will analyse forage for you. Um, when it comes to water-soluble carbohydrates, we have to send it off to a laboratory and um, slightly different tests are done um, than it would have done on it for the nutritional value. Um, and that would definitely be something to consider for um, equine metabolic syndrome, horses and ponies or um, laminitis. But you can actually look at the, your forage yourself and just do a rough test and with these horses and ponies where we're trying to get condition off them, we want a low quality forage. So it needs to be coarse, quite stalky, usually a late harvest and more of a timothy hay. And that will provide less nutritional value to them than a nice soft leafy meadow hay. Oh, there we go. And then soaking hay. Does anybody soak their hay? No? You have them, yeah. Um, quite often I get a bit of a negative response when I'm recommending soaking hay because it is a faff. <laughs> um, but it is really useful to try and reduce calories but ensure there's still plenty of fibre going through the digestive tract. Um, it will reduce the amount of sugars present in the hay. When the water turns brown, that is all the nutrients, the sugars, the vitamins and minerals being washed out. So it's not a, a, it's a good thing for our good doers. Um, we just need to be aware of how long we soak it, or how long we soak it for. Um, in hot weather, we, I wouldn't say any more than six hours overnight because in the summer months when the weather is hotter, it will begin to ferment and that's really not great for their hindgut. Um, in the winter months, you could take it up to eight hours, but they say after six hours, generally, um, the amount of um, soluble, uh, water-soluble carbohydrates are then 
extracted or leached out um, isn't of um, the, the amount that it becomes less and less and less. There's no more benefit to it. Um, steaming can help to reduce bacterial population, um, especially if you're soaking hay for longer periods of time, overnight perhaps, um, and it's going to be better for the horse pony um, to eat if the bacterial po population is a lot um, is, is not there. Hopefully, um, it's yeah, and, and then whilst what we're trying to do is taking out the calorie intake, but what we all, all we are also doing is removing the vitamins, minerals, which is of concern because the horse does need vitamins and minerals to break down and burn fat. Um, restricted grazing. Um, a lot of people don't like grazing muzzles. Um, I think sometimes we have to um, do things that aren't always, we have to be cruel to be kind um, if we are struggling to get the body condition score down. Um, and it's, you know, grazing muzzles, apparently it can reduce the dry matter intake by about 77 to 83%, which is considerable. Um, and at least that horse can, or pony can graze for a lot longer. Um, when they're stabled, small hold haylage nets, trickle feeding nets, um, they're all things that can be done to try and slow down their um, fibre intake and stop them being quite so greedy. Um, Physios generally don't like the idea of um, haylage nets to, to slow them down because horses get more frustrated and they have, it can cause more problems with the neck and pole. It's kind of the chicken and the egg. Do we want the horse to lose weight or do we want it to... Um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one for, to, be, to weigh up. Um, and so, yeah, as I've mentioned, trying to reduce condition score, it's nothing, we don't want it happen, uh, to happen rapidly. Um, a half to one unit of your condition scoring um, every four to six weeks, so it's a gradual process. If we start doing it too quickly, um, you can run into problems of liver and kidney failure, which is not something you want to be, um, be doing. So gradual um, reduction in condition scores. So what can we put in their feed bucket? Well, we're going to avoid cubes and mixes generally. Um, and we're going to hopefully look at using something like a balancer, which will provide proteins, vitamins and minerals without those unwanted calories, starches or sugars. Are you all familiar with balancers? Has anyone used a balancer before? Yeah, um, I would definitely be recommending these for horses that are in work. Um, the broad-spectrum vitamin and mineral supplement, as I said but, um, previously with the donkeys, I don't, it's, it's not going to provide enough for them and you're not going to get the quality protein to build muscle. Um, <laughs> When you are feeding balancers or um, a broad-spectrum vitamin and mineral supplement, people often feel quite mean because it's their perception that they need a, a nice big meal in their bucket. Don't feel bad. <laughs> um, it's perhaps bulk it out with a bit more chaff or speedy beat, unmolassed beat. 
um, just trying to increase their chewing time. But I'd be more focused on worrying about their, their long fibre, their hay and their, their diet, and hopefully turn out on grass and worrying about what's in the, in the bucket. As long as you've got your essential nutrients in there, giving them too much more with it, I'm, I wouldn't be so concerned about. But avoiding alfalfa, because it's really going to give you unwanted calories, and for our donkeys, the unwanted extra protein. So, um, ponies in work. Um, Questions we're asking, do they need energy? Do they need less energy? Do they need calories? Or um, perhaps their work is sporadic. And in the summer holidays, it's something we come across quite a bit. Um, ponies are dragged in from the field and need to go to pony club camp. And so uh, there's not a lot of um, pre-thought perhaps before um, with their feeding program. So, we're always trying to encourage a balanced diet. Um, I keep going on about proteins, vitamins, minerals, and then energy will be tailored for that individual's um, body condition score. And these, again, are just other areas that I'd be looking at, particularly for those horses in work, building muscle, um, energy levels, and providing antioxidants. Antioxidants will help with um, recovery and repair um, of um, muscles and body tissues. What type of energy? So cereals will provide you with a quick release energy source, um, oats, wheat, maize, barley, and then your slow, um, sorry, slow release, qu quick release energy source, and your slow release energy sources will be coming from digestible fibers and fats and oils. Um, and that will help with your stamina-based energy. So depending on how your pony is going to react um, would depend on what type of feed you're going to be looking at using. Um, and very much what we bearing in mind that both of these, quick-release and slow-release energy, energy is calories. So we have to tailor their calorie or energy intake according to their workload and body condition. So if they're too excitable, we need to reduce the starch. So let's reduce the cereals, the carbohydrates, and look at focusing on slow-release energy sources, your um, digestible fibres and oils. But making sure, again, that diet is balanced, because if we have a horse that's on an unbalanced diet, that can also have an impact on temperament. If we're trying to put on condition, what are the reasons? Why are they needing more body condition? And why aren't, perhaps why aren't they putting on the condition and you're already feeding appropriately? One of the big mistakes we come across is people will feed more of their um, original cube or mix, which might be a high fiber or pony cube, rather than going to something that's going to increase their calorie intake, a conditioning feed that has been formulated to put on condition. Um, so these are just the questions that we'd be asking. Um, are they on enough food? Are they on the wrong type of food, as I mentioned here? Um, the quality of the forage is really important. And as much as we work for a feed company, <laughs> um, we are always focusing on the fibre elements of the diet. And it's always tailoring 
concentrate rations around the quality of their forage and how much. We want them to be on maximal, maximum amounts of fibre. That's what the horse is there to eat, has evolved to eat rather efficiently, and it's up to us to try and work the, the concentrate rations around it. Um, and uh, a compromised um, gut bacterial population in the hindgut, or perhaps it's got worm damage from um, uh, previous, previous times. Um, teeth, gastric ulcers, or is it burning off everything it's eating because it's excitable and stressy? One thing I'm always going back to is the size of the horse's stomach. So when we're looking at feeding horses to put on condition, um, try not to overfeed them in one meal. It's trying to make it little and often for them. And um, the 15 to thoroughbred type, its stomach is about the size of this rugby ball. It doesn't stretch, it's rigid. Um, so if we think about ponies, donkeys, that rugby ball is going to be a lot smaller. Um, a round stub scoop, three quarters, um, sorry, a, a round stub scoop will fill that rugby ball stomach up to that line. Okay, and that line, three quarters full, is how the, the stomach should be filled to work at its um, optimum. So people will often overfeed to try and increase the calories, and it's really it's counterproductive and it's not great for the digestive system either. Because if that rigid stomach can't expand, all it does is push the digester through the um, digestive tract too quickly, reduces absorption, and um, gets to the hindgut. And if it's a high starch feed, then you're running into problems of laminitis and hindgut ulceration as well. So what we're going to do is, um, for our pony that's needing to put on condition, we're going to add oil, perhaps, especially if it's highly strung, um, slow-release energy. If you're feeding over 100 mils of straight oil a day, um, you need to then add antioxidants, vitamin E, selenium, and um, vitamin C. Mentioned pre and probiotics previously. Um, again, I'd always go to pre and probiotics to try and get that hindgut and the fibre digestion working um, to its maximum. Good quality forage, so whereas with the good doers we were wanting coarse and stalky, we're looking for more leaf and then stem. And then quite often I will, if a horse isn't eating a huge amount of um, forage, I'd make up a, what we call a side salad um, of beet pulp and um, freeze-dried grasses, alfalfa, just to try and increase the quality fibre um, part of the diet. Um, sporadic work, like I mentioned, with some um, ponies will come in from the field and ideally, if they're already on a balancer, or perhaps a horse and pony queue but the right levels, they should come in and they should tolerate a work increase. Um, a lot easier than if they are on nothing and they get pulled in from the field to go and do pony club camp, perhaps, just an example. Um, it's not ideal um, to then start adding a hard food. Um, quite often we'll come across, you know, oh, it's going to need energy, it's going to be working hard for the next five days, I'll just give it a competition mix to 
help it thrive. It's not the ideal scenario. They should always be on a steady diet. Um, changes should be made slowly and trying to keep them on a balanced ration um, if, they're going to, if their work is sporadic, um, broad spectrum vitamin and mineral supplement or a balancer would be much better for them. And it reduces the risks of tying up and perhaps colic from any rapid changes to the hindgut. And the introduction of electrolytes, because they're going to be working harder, they're not as fit as they could be, they're going to be sweating a lot more, electrolytes will help with recovery. So, briefly, on the poisonous plants, um, I haven't, I will admit, I haven't done a huge amount of poisonous plants before, but I have got a couple of slides and I've just picked out, um, I googled the top 10 poisonous plants and it came back with nine, I don't know why, I wasn't listening, but, so we've got ragwort, we're all aware of ragwort and the problems it causes. Um, liver failure, it's palatable when it's dry, not whilst it's growing. Um, and it's being very careful of ragwort in hay. Foxgloves um, can also be extremely poisonous. Um, but again, it's more palatable when it's dry and in, um, found in hay. It's going um, it's, it's to be a, um, a lot more... Um, palatable to them, which I think to say. Um, deadly nightshade. Um, that apparently they wouldn't choose to go and source out the deadly nightshade, but if they're in a paddock where there's not a lot left to eat, then the same with the ragwort, they will begin to eat it because they want, there's nothing, they, they, they need to satisfy their needs. Um, buttercups. Um, if they're eaten fresh, and quite often you'll notice in fields where there's a lot of buttercups growing and there's, they're a bit short on um, grazing, they will eat around them. They won't choose to eat them, but again, if they're left to, um, to um, the, the, the field doesn't have enough fibre in it and they're hungry, they may well go and try to eat it. And again, um, the saying, the dried buttercups, oops, sorry. The, um, they're less harmless when dried, so dry in the hay. Um, acorns. Um, I worked in the New Forest for a while, years ago, and they used to turn pigs out in the autumn to go and hoover up the acorns to reduce the, um, the amount of acorns that are eaten by ponies. And, yeah, long term, it, they the acorns become addictive apparently and um, if they get a taste for it they will want more and more and more um, so again it's not it's not an ideal way um, and yeah colic is the, the high risk yew trees yeah absolute no no <laughs> um, avoiding yew trees fresh um, or cut basically just yeah um, yew trees are, are fatal um, privet, um, box privet is more dangerous than the, um, I can't remember the other type of privet there is, but again, should, should be avoided, um, and small quantities can be really harmful. <coughs> Sorry. 
I would have thought so. It doesn't set it. I. I was kind of not in the hedge. Um. Well, how would you? I. Yeah, I, I would be. The same. Avoid it. Yeah. I think if it's poisonous, it's very it's going to be. Yeah, take chances. No. I'm very detentive. I'm very detentive. Oh no. I'm a sycamore. The sycamores, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the sycamore seed, yeah, absolutely. The helicopter bit, those, but when they dry and they fall on the ground and they eat them, that's really. They're not the They've been stripping the bark. They've been stripping the bark. I think the seeds are the main issue, but I think it'd be best if they didn't. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I need to go and redesign your garden now. <laughs> well, we need to have the hedge. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, sometimes. <laughs> I don't know why they eat that because they've got plenty of forage. They've got plenty of forage, but they've gone and eaten the hedge. What, and the private and rhododendrons are in the hedge? The rhododendrons, um, on a walk, they kind of got stuck in and were. Well, me and Isabella, Isabella. Ida was eating the rhododendron every day, and we were trying to get her away from it, but she was grabbing. Oh, really? Stacked a rope, but I imagine it, is it accumulative? So if yeah. they were constant yeah, rather than just one-off one off diet, you're probably okay, but it does say that at first, yeah. so quantities are toxic. Yeah. Usually with something like ragwort, it's a cumulative effect, and, mm. and it can have a knock-on effect on years down the line. Mm. Um, but usually it's a cumulative thing. Is there not some research now that, um, some of these plants are what the horses are seeking as a form of their own um, prebiotics. Um, so, for example, in 2013, I let my ponies into an area and they just stripped the bark of all the branches of the oak tree. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, I'm going to have six bodies. And I was giving all sorts of advice what to do. And, I, and then someone said to me, Oh, no, I think they're just altering the bacteria in their gut and they've never touched it since. Really? It's access to the same area. Then, so I, I didn't think I was just lucky but um, they, I was just told to do and I have heard, uh, again I can't give you any scientific, right. but I have heard similar things about uh, other plants. Mm -hmm. That they're doing. Okay. I, I give you the no. Papers, so. I've heard them doing it to willow trees. Well, that, that is natural. That's yeah. what and that's sort of more of a beneficial space. Yeah, I've not heard yeah. of them going to the toxic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know enough. The, the, about woman, the woman who's done the research is going to be talking at the DHS um, conference in Dunkeld later on. In oh, okay. The, so, um, but I couldn't. No. And she's done proper research behind yeah, she's it, done, she? um, she's researched what her horses, our ponies have eaten in Wales. And then she, she works in the racehorse industry and they've analysed the plants that the horses, the ponies have eaten. Yeah. And seen what the chemicals are that they've eaten and then what benefit it has on the oh. bacteria. Um, and they're realising that some of the plants that are seen, it's rather like, um, 
What's that medicinal thing where you give somebody a tiny, tiny, weeny, weeny bit of something? Like homeopathic. Homeopathic. But, but yeah. you, you don't, um, wouldn't actually give horses no. these things, but if they self-selectively, there's they're a doing thought, it for a possible reason. Yeah, there's a possible reason for feeding bacteria. Yeah. And they are now giving race horses some, some of these herbal mm -hmm. mm -hmm. but, Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Don't want to do much on no. Just don't let them go back. <laughs> well, they, they, yeah, they've been massacred. Oh, just to do the right, I had to put books and references that I've used. Um, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Any questions? No? Really? You're welcome. <laughs> So whistle stopped all. So our donkey's quite like to come and have tea. Yeah. And they like to have breakfast. Yeah. What would you recommend? At the moment they have a look they have the Yeah. Yeah. I, have, I have to say, porridge would eat 
anything with garlic in it. Okay. And so I'm just wondering if there is an element of truth in it. Yeah. Okay. Either way. Yeah. What was it? Yeah. yeah. And the, um, I mean, some people will feed garlic to help with the gut bacteria. There's no research behind it. And as far as I'm aware, there's no scientific published papers on feeding garlic anyway. It's very anecdotal. Um, and I think some people say that feeding um, something that's oil, garlic oil based, um, has a uh, more significant effect than um, the, the granules, the dried garlic. Mm -hmm. Whether that has got anything to do, and I don't know what the donkey sanctuary used in their um, in their study. So it's it's a bit of a okay. bit of an open Maybe it's just thing. A fashion thing for some reason. I I don't know. And there are people that use it to keep flies away and uh, say it works. I've also heard that you shouldn't feed it long term and that you should do two weeks and then stop for a week and do two weeks. Okay. Again, I, I'm not aware of any scientific literature behind that. Um, it's anecdotal as far as I'm aware. But, yeah. I'm sorry I can't answer that. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Oh, are you having your break? Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. Well, excuse me, I'll just give my chance to come back. Well, thank you very much, Lorna. You're I think welcome. You've learned a lot and uh, very informative, and I think you've covered a huge spectrum. Thank you for listening. Keep munching, donk donks!